honor to be able to speak to you real quick. We're, you know, we're going to go over just a little bit. Is that okay with everybody? If anyone needs to go somewhere, we totally get it. Um, you, can, you can go and we'll catch you. But um, we'll see you next week at the Yingling Stadium. But I'll be really quick. Honestly, it's, it's um, not a long, long message that I had prepared anyway, so this works out. Um, we're in the series called The Best Day. No, The Perfect Day. Pastor Howard decided he wanted to change it. It was too late. We already made the graphic. Best day ever. But The Perfect Day. The Perfect Day. And um, week one, uh, Pastor Howard brought to us that God is the God of more than enough. That was week one. He, he's our provider. He is all in all. He is Jehovah Jireh. And he does exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask or imagine. That's our God. He, he is the most high. And then week two, Pastor Nate brought us that we need to have a heart of thanksgiving. Like there is uh, something really special. And actually, um, when, you, when you do have a heart of thanksgiving, it turns into the best day ever. Like there's, there's no stopping it. Once you get a heart that is so thankful for what God has done in your life, um, it builds what I'm going to talk about today, which is joy. And I really love that I get to talk about joy today because I really think that the first two weeks culminated to this. And um, more specifically, this joy is the joy of the Lord. So it's not the joy of Neo. It's not the joy of Howard. It's the joy of the Lord. And so I want to show you how that's a little bit different today. Um, our theme verse, though we'll start there, is Proverbs 4.18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. So I love this picture, or, or perfect day, you could say. I love this picture of the path of us, the path of the righteous, is like a sunrise. It's, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter until full day appears, and it's now the perfect day. That's our path. That's how we're walking in this earth. And it's the idea that as sons and daughters of the Most High, we can actually have a perfect day every day. And, you know, when we started the sermon series, it's like that feels like it's lofty, but we've come to understand that it's a reality that we can find in Scripture. And it's not that we're just, it's not that we're not going to go through trials. That's not what it means at all. But as James says, it's actually that we count it all joy. And there's my word. That we actually count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I think Pastor, How uh, Pastor Nate um, quoted that one along with his other 252 verses uh, last week. But it, this, is, this is where we get to be in this full glory of God. You lack nothing. And um, it, it's really, and we'll get to this, but it's really being that we're so knit and abiding in Jesus. In Jesus and the ways of the kingdom of God that whatever's happening around you, you actually can't be shaken on the inside. And so that's what a perfect day looks like. Um, and so I want to go to Nehemiah. It's not going to be on the screens. Nehemiah 8, because I want to read basically half the chapter. <laughs> Who loves the Word of God? Okay, good. That was a test. You did better than I thought you would. 
Who loves the Word of God? So I love the Word of God, and I'm going to read about half of this chapter. I'm going to start in, in verse 8, chapter 1. There's a really popular verse that we're going to get to, okay, but I wanted to show you some stuff as we get there. And you probably know the first, uh, the, the really popular one, right, Neo? What is it? There it is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's 8, 10. But I'm starting verse 1. It says, all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Pause. So a little bit of context here. This is the third round of Jews that have been in exile, being led out of exile into Jerusalem by this man Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra and Nehemiah, so, so this, is, this is a big group of people. It's actually like 50,000 if you do the numbers up here. I don't know if all 50,000 were gathered at this point, but a bunch of them gathered together. To um, uh, in like the town square. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So they're saying, Ezra, bring out the book of law. We want to read what our forefathers have been reading. We, we want to know about what, what our forefathers were so passionate about. We want to know about this God that we know and that we are the chosen people of. So he said, bring out the law of Moses. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law. He's like, y'all want to go? Let's go. He brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday. Y'all, this is six hours, basically, is what tradition will show us. That six hours, they read the word of God. No one preached. They just read the word of God. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive. Catch that. They were actually attentive for six hours for the reading of the book of law. And I, I feel like that's a word for us today, y'all. Like It's an encouragement. Like Since when did the church feel like the word of God isn't a, a worthy of our attention? They were attentive for six hours, and it'll say they stood. They stood for six hours listening to a man read the word of God. And I feel like the American church needs to take a lesson from this. Not that we need to get religious or whatever and like, I'm going to sit here and read uh, Lamentations for six hours to you. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we do need to come back into a place of loving and abiding in the word of God. This is our daily bread. It's a light to our path. And I feel like the American church has got to get back to this. The Logos word. John 1.1 1, 1 says that the word was God. And so we need to love the word of God because this is God. It's alive to us. It's just a side note. That was free. Yeah. Let's see. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. It's funny. This is kind of lo looks like that, right? Stood on a wooden, wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And so it, kind of, it looks like this setting, really, what we're, what we're reading here. I just think it's really prophetic. So um, for them, that was like their microphone, right? He was standing up tall so that people could see him and hear him as he preached. We have microphones now that come out of speakers, but that was his megaphone, being able to stand up, up tall. And Ezra opened the book, verse 5, in the sight of all the people, and he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. That's what I'm talking about. They stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord. The great God and all the people answered, amen and amen, meaning they just, they agreed. They're like, yes, we love it. We agree. Amen, amen. 
lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I love the, con- the, uh, the contrast here. They were standing for the reading of the word, and then as they worshiped, they got low and humble. They got low and said, God, you're so worthy. You're so glorious. I'm going to put my face on the floor in humility. It's a lesson for us. Where was I? This is the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, and a bunch of other people who were the Levites helped the people to understand the law. So this is cool. They were, they were a bunch of people who knew the word of God so well, they were actually walking around the crowd teaching them what they were reading, helping them to understand. The Levites were helping them to understand. These were worshipers, prayer warriors, who also knew the importance of the word of God, and they were teaching the people what they were reading. Most of them, maybe all of them, spoke Aramaic, and this was written in Hebrew, so I'm sure there was a lot of uh, translating going on and just explanation of the word. It was just big old Bible study, and I love it. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people would understand the reading. So that's important. They, They understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Why are they saying that? Because all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Why were they weeping? They heard this word. They heard about the great commandments of God. And the great doings of God and all the things that he did for his people. And, the, and they saw this, these, these commandments and this, this uh, stature of God. And they saw it up here and they're like, oh no, but God, we've been living down here. And they started to weep realizing in this moment as they understood the word that God wanted them to live up here. And they've been here. And they're like, how do we get there, God? Oh, no, we, we're, they're sorrowing and mourning. Oh, God, we've messed up. But we, we want to be with you now. We sorrow. And Nehemiah says, no, stop. Don't mourn or weep. Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy or perfect to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is he saying? He's saying mourning and sorrow can only get you so far. That really it's the joy of God that gets you through. So he's saying, they're looking and they're going, we can't attain it, we can't attain it. And Nehemiah is saying, no, no, it's okay, we'll get there. We're going to go on a journey with the Lord. I want you to not sorrow, don't look back on your past and the things that you did wrong, but instead look to the future and the past of things God did for you. Look where he brought you out of. Look where you're going. Look what's about to happen. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Because in your rejoicing, it creates this joy in you that becomes your strength. That mourning and sorrow can't get you. Like there's a lot, I feel like it, there's, some, there's some Christianity today that's like a meism, And it's like, well, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to wallow and I'm going to pity. And, and I feel like I, if I just do that long enough, God's going to sovereignly step in. When in reality, it's our responsibility to say, no, God, I'm going to rejoice. I don't care what's happening around me. I don't know what circumstances around me. I'm going to rejoice in you, God, because you're good. You've always been good. You're going to be good. And that joy gives me strength. It's not my joy. It's the Lord's joy.
So <laughs> the Levites calmed all the people, saying, be quiet. And I can just imagine they're like trying to hear Nehemiah in their mourning and sorrowing. And he's like, y'all chill. And they don't hear him. So the Levites were like, y'all chill. <laughs> it's okay. Be quiet. For this day is holy. Again, do not be grieved. And what they do, all the people went their way. Just as he said, go your way. Went their way to eat and drink and to spend portions and to make great what? Rejoicing. Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Guys, we've got to understand the word that God is declaring to us today. He's saying, be rejoicing in me. Be, have thanksgiving in your heart. Know that I am all sufficient in all things. Look to the past and the future with good, with hope. Man, what if we prayed with real hope? Hope is knowing that God is good on the other side. He's always good on the other side, and we can rejoice in that. And in the valley, when you feel like, I can't conjure up my own joy, good, because you're not supposed to. It's in the valleys. It's not, we don't wait till we get to the mountaintop to rejoice and have joy. It's in the valley that we say, God, I'm going to rejoice while I'm down here, and you're going to lift me with your joy and give me strength to move forward. And I think the picture that we really need to focus on, let's turn our eyes to Jesus, is Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. I don't have it here. Let's see. (laughs) I thought I had it. Here I go. Y'all love the Word of God? It's fun. One more. Where am I going, Shelby? 12. One. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. It's a picture of what Nehemiah was saying. Like, go about your way. Like, lay aside the sin and let us run with endurance. Go your way. <laughs> run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. That's the hope. It's set before us. Hope is looking to the future, knowing God's good. The founder and perfecter, that was quoted today like several times, I think. The founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who made it. He's the one that will keep it. He's the one that will perfect it who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross y'all it was the joy of the lord that was set before jesus that got him through the cross i'm not making that up it's in it's right here in scripture he endured this brutal death on a cross because he knew what was on the other side on the other side of his pain and his suffering was a relationship with his creation And he knew that, and that gave him so much joy that it actually gave him strength to get through and endure the cross. Wow. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand throne of God. Jesus is on the throne. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I, I really want to get this in you today that it really is our responsibility to choose joy. That's a part of renewing your mind. 
right? It's choosing joy in your circumstances, knowing, God, I, I can't do this on my own, so I need your joy to get me through it. But this is the cool part. How much more can we rejoice and celebrate in God than these Israelites? These Israelites weren't in the new covenant. Jesus hasn't come yet. We now are set free, what we sang about, set free from our bondage like chains are on the ground because of what Jesus did on the cross. And for some reason, we want to pick them back up and cling them back on. Like, because of what Jesus did, he died a brutal death. These Israelites didn't know about it, and they're already rejoicing and getting joy from the Lord. How much more joy should we have in knowing that our Messiah has come? He's seated on the throne. He broke off the chains. We are set free from all the bondage, all the things we've done in the past. They're, as far as the east is from the west, according to God, we have been made righteous. You can't get any more righteous than you already are. There's a process of sanctification, but you are righteous. How much more should we be rejoicing as an American church sitting in this air-conditioned walls? Like, how much more? Like, I know there, there are circumstances that are very real. Okay? We all are going through things. I'm just trying to encourage you that we have so much to be grateful for, so much to rejoice in, and this is a key and I love Auntie did this last night. We were praying for the building that we know that God is bringing to us. And we were praying, and she didn't start praying for the building. She didn't say, God, bring us a building. She said, thank you, God, for a building. You're so encouraging to me, Auntie. She started rejoicing before the breakthrough. And that's where your joy comes from. We all had so much joy in that room. Did y'all feel it? When we started rejoicing, knowing God was going to bring us a building. And that's not even the half of it. You know, like we have so much. It all comes back to Jesus. You know I couldn't leave you without saying you got to look at him. Philippians 3. I think it'll be on the screen. Yeah. Wow. Man. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It surpasses everything, y'all. Everything. Literally everything. Paul counted it all lost. This dude was a Hebrew of Hebrews, studied under the most prestigious people to walk the earth, knew so much about the Torah, he could probably quote the whole thing. Actually, I know he could. Had so much, he persecuted Christians and then was saved, knocked off his horse by Jesus himself. And he says, I count it all loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Y'all, we were lost. We are found in him. We're not just a sheep that was found and put into a pen. We are found in Jesus. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, like they had, but that which comes through faith in Christ, how much more? The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We need to be like Jesus in his death, knowing he, he said he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. We need to be like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, that I've already obtained this, not that, I'm sorry, not that I have already obtained this or are, am already perfect. So we're talking about the perfect day. He's not saying he's already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Whoa, not that I'm already perfect or I can just conjure up a perfect day, but I'm going to move forward in endurance to make it my own. I'm going to make sure I do live a perfect day because God has enabled us to do it. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's why. Because Jesus has made me his. That's what, if nothing else you, you can find to rejoice and rejoice in that. Jesus has made me his. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and this would be my sending off to you. <laughs> but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is our goal. Is to know him. Luis, will y'all come play? Um, it's to know him. You can't have a perfect day as an imperfect person without knowing the perfect man. You can't have a perfect day. You can't even listen to this, mes this message or these three messages that we preached about the perfect day until you know the perfect man. Because we're not perfect, and we can't have a perfect day unless we know the perfect man. Does that make sense? Did I say that too fast? you got to know the perfect man. And so today, if you, if you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. If, if there's someone in the room today that would say, you know, this sounds great. But I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. And I, I want to. I want to have good days. I want to find strength in the Lord. But I don't know where to start. It starts with knowing him. Jesus says, or God says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first Jesus. Like you can forget everything I said unless you're first seeking him. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will come. And all things work out for the good of those who love God. So it, it, it's not guaranteed that a person that doesn't love God, things will work out. That's kind of blunt. But it's not. It's not guaranteed. If you don't know Jesus, it's not guaranteed that things are going to work out. But when you know Jesus and God is on your side, he works all things out for your good and his glory. Your good and his glory. Man, I... I just felt this. If, if you don't know the goodness of God today, he wants to show it to you. He's good. He's always good. 
He's always good. He's always good. And you can find your strength in His joy as you rejoice and be glad in Him. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Let's all pray this out loud. Jesus, I want to know you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus, come live inside me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in what you did on the cross. I believe that you wiped my sins away. I believe that you made me righteous. And I believe God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for all you've done for me. And I commit today to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do song two. There was something so special about that song. Just to know him. So I want to give you a chance today to rejoice. I want to give you a chance. Yeah, you can stand. I want to give you a chance today to rejoice. Whatever circumstances, whatever you're going through, whatever is going on in your life, God, there's there's things, there's jobs lost, there's family members hurting, there's so many things going on in our lives, and I just want to give you a chance today to rejoice in it and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. It, it's for you today. So uh, prayer team, Pastor Nate, Pastor Jose, Pastor Howard, Pastor Allen, Mafo.